help us understand what it means to be united in Christ, we have to go to a sewing term, knit with him. We'll take a look at that in depth here today on Graceful Truth as we continue our survey of Romans chapter 6 with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us as we understand what it means to be knit with Christ. You said the sinner's prayer. You've turned your life over to Christ. You are a Christian. That means you're united with Christ. You're knit together with him. The two of you are one. What that looks like and how it should look in our daily lives will be the subject of our time today. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Here in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11 is where we catch up with Pastor Steve as we begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Secondly, this union with Christ means that our unregenerated life is over so that we do not now need to obey our old nature. He says in verse 6, our old self was crucified with him that our, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, might be brought to him, the ESV says. And this is where it gets a little confusing because As I said earlier, a lot of people think that there's an old man and a new man, and they both exist within you. And it's up to you to who you're going to listen to. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible teaches. And we're going to go through some of these texts. But the first question we have to ask ourselves is simply this. What is the old self? When the Bible talks about the old self, well, what does it mean? What is it referring to? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 22. Ephesians 4, verse 22. We ask the question, what is the old man? Look at what it says in verse 22. To put off your old self. Well, what is it? Paul, are you going to tell us what it is? What is the old self? Which belongs to your what? What's it say? former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. So what is the old man? What does Paul say? It's the former manner of life. It's the way you lived before you became a Christian. Well, what kind of life was that? It tells us that it was corrupt. We were old. We were corrupt. We were unregenerate before we came to Christ. You jump down to verse 24 there, the same chapter, Ephesians 4, he contrasts that with the new self. Well, what's the new self? It's that which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what happens when we become a Christian. So ask yourself, what are you? (laughs) Are you some old man and new man constantly in battle, fighting with each other? Some schizophrenic Christian that walks around not knowing, boy, who am I going to listen to today? That's not what the Bible teaches. You don't see that in Scripture. Are you the old man? Are you the new man? Can't be both. You can't be both. You can't be dead and alive. It's impossible. The Bible says that you have put off the old man. 
that you have put on the new man. I think that it's so important that we realize when Scripture says the old man was corrupt according to deceitful lust, it says your former manner of life, and then all of a sudden this new one is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's who we are in Christ. To put it in the terms of Paul in Corinthians, he says, if any man be in Christ, he is what? New creation. A new creature. Now, in verse 22 of Ephesians there, where it says that we are to put off the old self. I remember being taught that that's a, that's a command. That's something we have to do every day. As Christians, we get up and God commands us to put off that old self, you know, and then put on the new self. That seems kind of fickle, doesn't it? What if you get up and you don't want to put on the new self and you want to leave the old self on? I mean, it's, it just seems kind of weird thinking, but it kind of, it, it kind of fits logically in our minds. Well, yeah, we have to put on, it's up to us. It's not up to us because the old self isn't there anymore. It's dead, the Bible says. It's buried. I mean, if you can get this, grasp this, you'll have such a clear understanding of what it means when God calls us to live a life of holiness and righteousness. I mean, if that weren't true, man, I'd just give up. If I was constantly, if it was left up to me, whether, boy, I'm going to listen to my old self or my new self, I'll tell you right now, probably 90% of the time, I'm going the old, old way. That's just reality. And any one of us would do the exact same thing. Thank God he doesn't leave that up to us. That he says the old self isn't even around. It's dead. It's gone. So he tells us here that you Christians understand that that old self was put off. You know, it's it's not a command. It's basically telling us the result of what Christ did for us. Because God would not tell us to do something that was impossible. If somebody you know died and you had the funeral, and they're long since buried, and a year later I say, hey, why don't you call up Joe, let's go to lunch. You'd look at me and go, oh, you mean Joe Williams? Just a name. Yeah, well, he died a year ago. Yeah, just call him up, we'll go to lunch. You'd go, what? Have you lost your mind? Why would you say such a thing? That's what Paul is getting at. Why would we continue in sin when it has no dominion over us? Because the old self doesn't even exist. Romans 6 tells us the old self was dead. And it fits very well into this understanding of Ephesians chapter 4. To put off, it's the infinitive there in verse 24. Same thing, to put on. John Murray calls the infinitives of results. He translates it this way. So that you put off according to the former manner of life the old man. Martin Lloyd-Jones translates it this way. Do not go on living as you were still. Do not go on living as if you were still that old man because the old man has died. Do not go on living as if he was still there because he's not. That's Paul's point. He's saying there, you in in, in Ephesians 4.20 have not so learned Christ. You didn't learn Christ to continue in your sin. You didn't come to Christ so that you could just continue to sin. 
Paul's answer to that is, may it never be. No, 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 no. That's not the answer. You've put off the old manner of life, the old man, and you put on the new man. Because now you're in Christ. Look over at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Colossians and Ephesians are almost parallel books. If you read one, you'll get the other. If you read the other, you'll get the one. They're almost parallel. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, look at what it says. Do not lie to one another. Why? Why shouldn't we lie to one another, Paul? Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to Christians. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, what? Put off the old self with its practices. And have put on, verse 10 says, the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. That's a statement of definition about what a Christian is. He's saying, since you've done this, now go back to Romans 6. It's exactly what he's saying in Romans 6, 6. We know that our old self was crucified. How do we know that, Paul? Because it was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we'd be no longer enslaved to sin. John MacArthur brings out an interesting fact about this word old. There's two words in the Greek language for old. Archaos and paleos. Archaos, we get archaic, right? Uh, Archaos means this, old in point of time. That's not what he uses here. He used paleos, which means old in point of use. So this old self, this old man, means he's old in the sense that he's worn out. He's useless. He's fit for the dump. He's to be discarded. What is the old man? It's the unregenerated nature. It's what described as the Adam man. In verse 12 of chapter 5, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Adam was that identifier. Being in Adam means that you are in sin. Being in Christ means that you are in God's grace, that you are righteous. So the old man, the Adamic nature, the unregenerate nature, the old self, the old nature, whatever term you like, it's gone. It's dead if you are in Christ. Paul says, I, was, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not the old me, the new me. I live. But not I. See, it's, it's very important that we understand that. And what Paul is insisting here is that a person in Christ is justified. He's made righteous before God. And when that person is redeemed, there's a break with that old man. He's gone. He's dead. Some people teach that somehow this is a process. It's not a process. It's gone. If you're buried, you're not in the, in the midst of dying, I hope. I mean, that wouldn't make sense. Well, Paul, poor, poor grandpa, you know, he's, he's not feeling too well. He's kind of sick. He looks like he's dying. Let's just bury him now and get it over with. You would never do that. Okay? You bury somebody when they're dead. There's no hope of life. 
That's the point. It's an already completed reality. And to suppose that the old man, that this old man has been crucified and still lives on somehow, it's contradicting everything that Paul's saying here. He's been crucified. He's not in the process of being crucified. I hear Christians even say this, I'm trying to crucify the old man. Why? It's already done. God's taking care of it for you. You're a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. But listen, listen carefully. You're a new creation in Christ, but you're not perfect. Not yet. Not yet. One day we will be. But nonetheless, we are a new creation in Christ. One commentator says this, The old man is the unregenerate man. The new man is the regenerate man. You are one new man. The old man ceased to exist. So salvation, justification... This is very important. It's very important doctrine to understand. And I know it's kind of tough, and I thank you for your patience. But when you are saved, when you are justified, when you are made right with God, when you are born again, it causes a radical change in the nature of the person. And everyone who is radically saved here today can go around and testify, yeah, when I got saved, there was a change in my life. It wasn't something I had to manufacture. It wasn't something I had to wait for. Immediately, I knew, wow, what, what's going on here? Maybe your relatives said, well, what happened to him? Why is he on this high horse about the Bible? And boy, he's trying to save the world. What's going on with him? Now, granted, we may not have all the wisdom we need when we come to Christ. So we do a lot of things that tick people off and turn people off. And, and granted, but that's all under God's grace anyway. So it's all good. I'd take one immature Christian who's on fire for God than some old mature saint who hasn't witnessed somebody in years because they're too afraid to offend somebody. When someone comes along and they're living in the same old relationship to sin under that same old dominion, that same tyranny of sin with the same old lifestyle, I don't care what they're claiming they are. The fact is, is that there hasn't been any radical transformation. There hasn't been any change. As I've said before, no change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. It's a very substantial, fundamental truth that you have to wrap your mind around. The old man, the sin nature is dead. And the new holy nature, the new holy man is born. We're no longer in Adam, we're in Christ, who is our life, Colossians 3, 4. So when Paul says our old man was crucified with him, he means that what we were before we were saved died with Christ. There's a complete severance of the reign of sin in our life. Our old life ended. In Christ, our old man was crucified Think of it this way, positionally. It's a spiritual fact. Remember I said we're going to deal with a spiritual fact today. We're not necessarily into the practical yet. Because I know in your mind you're going, whoa, whoa, wait wait a minute. You know, I know that there's places in Paul where Paul says, well, I want to do this, but I can't do it. Well, who's he fighting with? We're going to talk about all that. 
Just, just be patient. But this is that we were crucified positionally with Christ. It's a spiritual fact. Just as the fact that we are raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly position. That's a, a positional truth. To say the old man was crucified is, is really a, a, a kind of a neat way of saying that positionally its power is broken. For the first time in our lives, we don't have to sin. Do you understand that? I mean, that's what makes it so unfortunate when you have Christians who are claiming the name of Christ and they're living in open sin with no repentance, thinking that somehow God's grace is just going to cover everything. Well, obviously the power of sin isn't broken in their life. They're still doing the same thing they did before they came to Christ. What's going on there? We have to practically apply this truth on a daily basis as we battle against sin and temptation. And then he gets to the the point here. We've got a few minutes left here. In verse 6, where he says, In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. King James says that the body of sin might be destroyed, I think. What does it mean the body of sin might be destroyed or brought to nothing? Does it mean when you became a Christian, the body of sin was destroyed? Well, that's what it says. I don't know about you, but before I was a Christian, I didn't even know what sin was in the spiritual sense. I really didn't. I, mean, I knew you know, I did bad things once in a while, whatever. But I didn't understand the theological understanding, the spiritual understanding of what sin was. Now that I'm sin, now that I'm saved, it seems like all as I see is sin. <laughs> you have a hypersensitivity to sin. You know, when you sin, your heart grieves. Why? Because you know it grieves the heart of God. Before I was a Christian, I could go do what we call sin and I, I wouldn't feel anything. I mean, yeah, you know, if you lie to somebody, you know that's wrong. And, you know, the, the, the morality there. But there are some sins that pretty much was approved by my family to do. So what does he mean here? What does he mean when he says this body of sin must be destroyed? Now that I'm saved, all I can see is sin. I mean, does he mean here you're supposed to be perfect? Is that what he means? The body of sin is gone, so now you just live a perfect life? Is this called sinless perfection? I don't think he's talking about that. Paul conceives of sin as being associated with the body. If you look at verse 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 10, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 10, he says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness. Look down at verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your what? Mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So in chapter 8, he's definitely talking about a mortal body, a physical body. He connects it somehow with sin. In verse 13, a little further down, he says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In verse 23, he continues and he says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the 
first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons, the redemption of what? Our bodies. In other words, we have to face the fact that as long as we're in this body, we're going to have an issue with sin. As long as we're in this world, we're going to have an issue with sin. So the body is somehow connected with sin, and that's what Paul is trying to explain to us. The expression here, the body of sin, is referring to our humanness. That's what it's referring to. Under the absolute control of sin. It's apparently in the genitive of possession. It means a person's body before salvation is totally and utterly in the possession of the sinful nature. So you've got the old man controlling the body. And by body, I don't think we're necessarily talking about the physical body here. We're not like the aesthetics who think, oh, this body is evil, so we have to beat it and we have to, you know, whip it and do all that. That's not what he's saying. If our bodies were evil, why would God put his Holy Spirit within it? Why would he call it the temple of the Holy Spirit? Our union with Christ's death, because of that, the body of the believer is no longer in the possession of sin, no longer controlled and conditioned and solely dominated by sin. That's what he's trying to say. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says this. Don't you know that your temple is, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have of God? You are not of your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God in your body. And he's talking there about fornication in the text. And he says, look, your body is not any longer under the dominion of sin. It is not any longer conditioned and under the authority of sin. You can now yield to the Spirit because you're a new person in Christ. That's so important to grasp. It's so important to understand. It's the same thing that Paul is talking about even over in Romans chapter 12 where he says that we're to present what? Our bodies as a living sacrifice. Why would God tell us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice if our bodies were innately evil? They're not innately evil. They're God's creation. They're to be used for his glory, our pleasure. There's, there's a lot of ways that the body is, is, is a, a, a vessel that can glorify God. So we need to re- be reminded of this truth. So we have to identify totally with Christ in, his, in the likeness of his resurrection. To know and understand that. And next week, we're going to speak about that. But please understand today, I want you to understand, if you're struggling with sin, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. The mere fact that you're struggling with sin is an indication that somehow the Spirit of God is convicting you of that sin. And as a result, he's asking you to confess that sin and to come back to the understanding that you are a new person in Christ, that you don't have to do what you did before. God gives us that supernatural ability to override the power of sin in our lives. I mean, what a glorious thing. I mean, think if Jesus just died and said, okay, now all your sins are forgiven up to this point. But from now on, man, it's up to you. Let's see what happens. We wouldn't last one day. None of us would. But because of his grace, because of his love for us, 
He wants us to understand, if you're claiming Christ, if you're saying, I am, I am new in Christ, I've been born again, I was saved, there better be a line of demarcation between this life and your old life. If you can't point out a line of demarcation, then I would go back and say, as the Bible says, to make sure that you're in the faith. Because if there's no change, there's no what? There's no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth.